0: Hey, ACF Church, we are so glad that you're here with us uh, tonight. If you're brand new, we just want to welcome you to the ACF community. We are in a series called All the Feels, and we are continuing on in week two of this discussion about emotions. And this is a conversation that I think a lot of people struggle with, is is just dealing with our emotions and and how we feel about things. But uh, honestly, we believe that God has something for us as a community in this topic, that uh, the faith that we've had and the type of emotion life that we've had really isn't working in in many ways. And in fact, last week, uh, if you weren't here, I'd really encourage you to go back, listen to the message, because it was all about making a case for the fact that we aren't really as emotionally healthy as maybe we think we are. And and so uh, we talked about how Jesus, Jesus came to earth as the Word made flesh. He is God himself in the flesh, came to the world to show us what it's really like uh, to be human and the best way to live here in this world. And so uh, if you're new to ACF, we always use Jesus as the model and example of absolutely the best way to be alive, the best way to live. And so we constantly come back to him as our example. And, and where I want to start us off with here uh, tonight are some examples of the way that Jesus dealt with his emotions. Uh, when you look at Jesus and you follow his life, what you see is that he was actually a really emotional guy. Uh, a lot of times People don't see Jesus that way, and we sort of have this picture of Jesus as this really sad faced guy walking from place to place. But really, he was a very emotional person, just like you and just like me. And, and as we said last week, it's interesting that Jesus was the one that God sent to catalyze this kingdom movement. He didn't send a, a book or, or a bunch of words, He sent a man to show us what it looks like to actually live out the kingdom here on earth just like it is in heaven. And so uh, the first passage I want to start off with is in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, It says this in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So, what you may already know is that this is right before Jesus is crucified, and obviously, he knows what's coming. He's very emotional about what's to come. And, and I love this passage because it, it shows us the humanity of Christ. That as he prepared uh, to be crucified for the sins of the world, that this was a struggle for him. And although he overcame the emotions and dealt with the emotions, he also struggled with those feelings. And there's another passage in Mark 6. I think sometimes we underestimate how exhausting the ministry of Jesus was. Once again, he was God, but he was also a man. It says this in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they're finding Jesus. They're tracking him down while he's really worn out. Verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Here we see Jesus worn out, strung out from just doing ministry on the road, needing some space. He gets a little space, and the people find him, track him down, and he is tired. But he has compassion on the people whom he loves. Another passage in John chapter 11, coming back to the story of the death of of Lazarus, Jesus' friend, it says this in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And this being known as the shortest verse in scripture, verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. In other words, in this moment, Jesus mourns the loss of his friend Lazarus with tears and emotions and feelings about loss In this moment, just one more passage speaking about the emotions of Jesus. Matthew chapter 21, we always see in in the life of Jesus that he's an advocate for the marginalized and the mistreated. He is a passionate person. In verse 12, it says, And Jesus entered the temple. And drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and, and Now, what you need to understand is that what was going on here is this was oppression of the poor in this society. so Jesus is really fired up about this, in the seats of those who sold pigeons, he said to them, "It is written, "My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers." So here we see angry Jesus, which isn't a Jesus that we, we often see in Scripture, but we see emotions of anger coming out in this moment. Not how we always picture Jesus, is it? You see, Jesus was a, a, an emotional human being. He experienced every emotion we experience, except he never sinned. He could be completely emotional without sin in his life. Uh, there's a quote from the book uh, that says this emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And he goes on to lift all of these examples of, of how people sometimes feel like, oh, I'm really mature, when really they're not as mature as they, they think they are. You know, you can, you can preach sermons. I could preach sermons every single week. And at the same time, I could be abusive to my family. Uh, You can be a ministry leader and also be somebody who is unteachable. You can fast every single day for years and yet also live in sort of this nagging criticism of the people who are in your life. Uh, You can counsel others on how to get their lives together and then find yourself living out these fits of rage in your own life. So so we can actually know a lot of good stuff and yet remain emotionally unhealthy, which affects our spiritual health. And, And sometimes we don't even realize it. We don't even know how immature we've become. The other day, uh, many of you know that uh, our family is building a house right now. And I went out to our house and uh, we actually had to kind of bubble in this section of property with uh, some plastic and some heaters to try to heat up the ground to do some work there. And so the heater has been running for a few hours and I went out there and I, I climbed underneath the plastic to do some work underneath uh, the plastic. And I'm in there for five minutes. It wasn't very long. And all of a sudden, I just started getting nauseous and, and my, my eyesight got blurry and I'm like, what's going on? And I go, I go running for the edge of the plastic and claw my way out of there and I realized uh, that I was actually experiencing carbon monoxide poisoning, which is really great. So um, in that moment, I I didn't really know what was happening and I got outside of that situation and I could see this was just ridiculous. It was stupid. All this heat was blowing in there and these fumes and it could have killed me. But it's funny how we didn't even realize in the moment that that we're dealing with these these symptoms, these symptoms that come out in, in emotional unhealth and they reflect really how spiritually unhealthy many of us are. Now, this topic isn't talked about in church a lot of times. Maybe uh, you're brand new to ACF and and this is getting in your business a little too much, uh, which is kind of what we love to do. Uh, But honestly, this is an important topic to talk about. Many people think that the emotional conversation, it's too touchy-feely. Maybe it doesn't seem theologically deep enough. Uh, maybe you think, well, our, you know, our bodies are temporary, so why talk about emotions and, and feelings? And we all know that feelings aren't facts anyway, so none of this really matters. But as we just saw through these scriptures, Jesus was an emotional being, and God created us to be emotional beings, but to do it in a way that leads us and others to life. Right, so what do you do with your emotion, emotions? How do you deal with your emotions? Uh, some people, what they do is they just detach from them. They completely shut down. And some of you in the room tonight are that way. And, and when you think about emotions, you know that you don't feel your feelings. You try to avoid them at all costs. Now, other people in the room today, maybe you distract from your emotions. You just try to get away from your feelings. And so you've, you've got these ways and systems in your life to just get out of your own head. And so you don't have to actually feel the feelings that you have in your life. But we, what we want to do as a church is learn how to deal With our emotions, not that they would rule us or run us, but that we would deal with them and process through them. And now, just as a caveat, I want you to know that there is a time and a place to to separate from your feelings and and to, to reject certain feelings. There is a time and a place for that, but only after you have dealt with them. And you can write this down if you want. Emotionally healthy people deal with their emotions. I want you to learn to deal with your emotions, to acknowledge them, but first it takes some real interior work that, uh, that, I, that I hope that you're ready to walk into and that maybe you've already started walking into in your life groups. Uh, recently, um, I was asked to, to lead worship uh, at, a, at a men's event, and and I was thinking about it, and I got really nervous and anxious about this particular thing, and and I didn't really know why. Where is all this anxiety come, coming from? Where was I struggling uh, with this? But I was really struggling with the fact that when you go to these these smaller events, you don't have any lights or or speakers, and and uh, no separation between really the stage and and people. And I realized that for years I've been in front of people in this capacity, with a a gap between me and you. And I didn't really know how to just be right up in people's faces, worshiping God with others. And so I I had to kind of deal with those emotions, deal with those feelings to identify what was going on inside of me. And that's really something that I think all of us need to do in our own way. Another quote from the book that I thought was really profound, he says this, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectations for us. This does violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately others. When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Uh, Which is interesting. I think a lot of people see the church that way, sort of empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. We want to be people who are emotionally aware, who understand that God created us to feel these feelings, but we don't want them to rule our lives. So I was thinking about what are the feelings that we do ignore in church? What are the conversations that maybe we need to have that we haven't had very often? Uh, maybe some of these feelings would come up in your mind. First, sexual desire. Uh, We we talked a a few months ago, we did a whole series about this reality, that there is sexuality that needs to be dealt with in ourselves, in our families, in our cultures, and and so we want to talk about that. Uh, Maybe the desire to be happy. I think we all have that emotion, this feeling like, I don't know, I just I want to have fun in my life, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Let's talk about it. Uh, Maybe it's a desire for just nicer stuff. Uh, For you, you're like, you know what? I just feel like I want a better car, a better pickup truck, a nicer house, you know? Uh, Some of these things, they're not bad things to want. Let's just deal with the emotions behind them. How about a desire for respect? We all want respect. Um, The desire to be desired, to be wanted, uh, to be part of something where you know that you're valued. Um, Some people struggle with lack of fulfillment um, self-hatred. Some people struggle with that. A, a, a seek or desire for adventure. I think that's something a lot of us Alaskans get, that we just want to have fun and enjoy this, this beautiful place that we live in. Uh, maybe the desire to escape. Some people have that emotion, that feeling like, I just want to get out of here, which some people might feel right now. I don't know. But where are you at right now? Like, where are you emotionally? Have you ever just slowed down to think about it? And when people ask you, like, hey, how are you feeling today? Do you struggle to have an answer for that? Because some people in the room uh, tonight, you are very in touch with your emotions. You feel your feelings and you always know how to to answer that question. But there are others of, of you who don't know how to answer the question of how are you doing and in fact, a, a close friend of mine recently, he was struggling with this and and his wife was asking him to to give sort of a, a an overview of how he's feeling and he just didn't know what to say or how to describe how he's feeling in that moment. And he got some advice that I want to share with you that I thought was really helpful uh, to simply use music as a way to uh, to describe your emotions. I think for a lot of men in the room, we get this. You know, we come home from work and, and my your wife or maybe your roommate's like, hey, how'd your day go? And you're just like, meh. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. You know, how are you feeling? I don't know. I'm just kind of here, right? And it was funny. They were uh, figuring out how to communicate how he was feeling, and they came up with this idea of using music, and, and so uh, she texted him, hey, honey, how are you doing today? And uh, he sent her uh, this song right here. Let the bodies hit the floor. 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 Okay, that's good. That's good. So so the question is, what is the emotion? What's the emotion tied to that? Uh, Anger is probably it, and that's exactly what was going on. I think somebody took his parking space in Fred Meyer or something, and he was really frustrated, but this worked really well for them to describe their emotions so that he could actually communicate, this is actually how I'm feeling. Because so many of us have detached from our emotions and felt like, well, these don't really matter, that we've forgotten or not even realized how to communicate these things to other people. So we're going to actually do another one. Uh, Maybe some of you in the room want to try to connect a song to the emotion. Let's play this next song. It's been a long without you my friend and I'll tell you all about it when I see you again right, right. we've come all a long right. way wipe away the tears we love you Paul Walker so anyway what's the feeling the feeling is sadness right it's, it's sort of just a it's a sad song a song of loss but, but sometimes music can help us identify how we feel let's try one more song Right, that's good. That's good. Most annoying song in the world. So maybe maybe your feeling is annoyance, but I was going for more, more like happiness or, or joy or whatever. And you know, there's moments like that where we don't really know how to describe it. We're just feeling excitement and joy and happiness about life. And, and so. I hope you're beginning to see that, that you are an emotional being and then, that you're that way because God created you in His image. We see emotions in Jesus, but I want to, I want to talk about God Himself. Many times we're like, okay, so Jesus was emotional, but what about, what about the Father? What about God the Father? And so I just want to speak about Him that way. There's a bunch of scriptures that speak to the emotions of, of God the Father. In the Old Testament we see, um, that in Genesis 1.25 it says, God saw that it was good, very good in creation right? Saw the world, it was good, and he just, he felt that it was good. Uh, We read, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So Genesis 6, 6, we see that when sin came into the world, the father was troubled. He, He had this sadness over what was going on with his creation. We read, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Exodus 20, verse 5. Uh, For a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, I pant. Isaiah forty-two fourteen. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. You see, anger in God's heart. Jeremiah thirty twenty-four. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with kindness. Jeremiah 31, 3. How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused, Hosea 11.8. So all of these, these verses, they speak to the side of God that we're like, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that. But honestly, we see that God is emotional. We see God is emotional and it was a good thing. And so we're created in his image. And so because of that, we're going to be emotional beings. We just need to learn how to deal with those things. Uh, for many of you, emotions are seen as negative things. In fact, when you say somebody is really emotional, that's actually kind of a slam on somebody. But really, it's a negative thing only when we are controlled by our emotions. And so we're going to close out in the book of Ephesians. And, and this is a passage, I think, that's been speaking to me for months, uh, specifically to this topic of emotions. And now Paul is writing this letter to the people of Ephesus. And Ephesus was the cultural and religious epicenter of this specific region. It was actually a port city at that time. Um, Now, now on this day, it's actually uh, the waters receded. But in this time, uh, Ephesus was a port city, which means there's there's all kinds of people coming from all over the world to to this one location, which meant a lot of different worldviews. We've got believers and unbelievers coming to this one place, this collision of of different different perspectives perspectives on the world. And what Paul wants to see is the church in Ephesus rise up to the calling that God has given them, to their true identities in Christ, to take hold of this new way of thinking and this new way of feeling about the world. So if you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be at in verse 17. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now in this scripture, Gentiles uh, could also be translated as the people that didn't trust in God. Uh, Those were the people that weren't the Jews, those who didn't trust in the Lord. And he says, don't walk as they do. Don't walk as people who don't trust in God do. Which just sort of a side note to start off, how many of our emotional issues come from the fact that we just don't trust God? And so we have all kinds of negative emotions and our emotions even take ourselves captive because we don't trust that God is at work in the situation we find ourselves in. He says this, In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Paul's saying their thinking, the way they see the world lacks logic. It's just not a healthy way of seeing things. In verse nineteen, and I want to I want to focus in on this passage for a second. He says they have become calloused. They've become calloused. Now, now calloused is simply to cease to feel. It's it's like a, a numbness that we feel. And callousness, I want I want to just focus on this for a second. Callousness is the enemy of conviction. Now, we need to be convicted about a lot of different things, but when we become callous, we don't become convicted. Uh, callousness, we can become callous to our sin, callous to the things that we have chosen to do. And we've all been there, right, where we have just done something enough times that we no longer feel remorse for it. We've just allowed it into our lives to the point that we no longer feel negatively towards that particular part of our lives. Paul's like, hey, don't follow the people who don't put their faith in God, who've become calloused to the ways of this world. You see, rejecting emotion results in a, a passionless, calloused faith, a numb faith. And, and I would say that for me personally, I, I can lean this direction. If maybe you overreact to things, my tendency is to underreact. And in fact, uh, Amanda, my wife, a- and I, we talk a lot about this. Uh, I am a classic underreactor, and she overreacts to things. But here's the problem with underreacting. Has there been situations, like as parents, where maybe one of our kids is leaning back in their chair at the table? And, and my, my initial thought is, she'll figure it out, Right? But Amanda reaches over and she always grabs the chair and multiple times she has saved them from disaster because she's going to react in the moment. She's ready to respond and and maybe sometimes she overreacts, but in in many cases she's able to respond instantly to a need or or an opportunity when I would be kind of sitting back and and thinking about it. And and that's really numbness where we've developed a, a numbness in our lives. And some of you have been actually trained towards numbness. You've actually been trained this in your job uh, or maybe over life because of the things you've gone through. You've become numb to things. And Paul is saying, listen, don't act as these people who don't put their faith in God do. They become numb to all that is happening around them, numb to the people in their lives, numb to what God is saying, numb to the calling that's been placed in their lives. Don't become like them. Uh, I remember about 10 years ago, my dad, he got out of the military and uh, for a second career, he decided to become a, a Wyoming highway patrolman. And I was really excited about them, uh, this, this new season for his life and this new opportunity. And so he became a patrolman and started uh, doing the highway patrol thing around Cheyenne, Wyoming. And he got the car. And, and I remember going back home and uh, spending some time with him. And after a few months, I told him, I sat him down. I'm like, Dad, I, I, think, I think you're changing. There's just something about you that I don't know if it's for the better. And I realized that he had just become really cynical. And, uh, you know, he'd walk into a room and he'd always sit in the corner and, you know, kind of figure out what people were doing in the space. And he was just ready to, ready to move at any moment. And he told me, he's like, you know what, that's, that's what my, my training has been. Is that when you, when you settle down and when you just relax, that could be the last moment that you do so. And so I've learned just to be on all the time. And, and in that way, what he started doing is sort of becoming callous to people at the same time. And he realized that he'd become sort of numb to a lot of different emotions because you can't be emotional in a moment like that. You just need to be ready to respond. And so some of you are in similar situations where you've been trained to sort of be callous, trained to shut down and not feel your emotion. But once again, God created you as an emotional being with real feelings that have to be dealt with. So Paul says because of their callousness, they have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now you can write this down. Every Christian has an old false self that we have to wake up daily and put off. And Paul is saying, listen, there is an old version of you, a a false version of you. And and maybe it's that, that version of you that was held captive by your emotions, where whatever you felt was what you did. And however you felt about a situation was exactly how it was. And so you've been manipulated by your emotions for your whole life. And Paul would say, put off that old self. That's not how you were intended to be in Christ. You need to let what is true determine how you feel you actually have a decision to make with your emotions so as much as we've said feel your emotions know that you're emotional there is something to do with those things we, we have to bring the truth into our emotions and determine what is right and then decide how we should feel paul talks about it in this way take every thought captive you can actually choose how you feel about these situations And you have a choice to make. And and, and we say things like this to to people in our lives. We say, well, you make me feel this way. You make me feel that way. And I just want to push back on that and say, nobody makes you feel anyway. Uh, Maybe a better statement would be that when you do this, I feel this way. But in the end, it is your decision to feel a certain way about any situation. It's a choice that we are meant to make. So for many of you, maybe your old false self is somebody who's manipulated by emotions. For others of you, your old false self is someone who's cut off from emotions, who has become numb to emotions. And, and maybe you need to wake up in the mornings and try to feel again. You need to wake up in the mornings and start to realize that God has given you passions and emotions to feel. Maybe you need to put yourself in situations that stir up compassion and emotion and passion in your heart. Maybe you just go down and serve at Beans Cafe once a week. And see people who have uh, less than you or struggle uh, in ways that you don't struggle and, and watch how God stirs up emotion inside of you in a healthy way. Maybe just serving here at ACF and, and, and putting a smile on your face and caring about somebody that you've never met before. What might happen is you'll generate emotion in, in a good way in your life. I, I would tell you, be generous. Just be all out generous to somebody this week. Pay for somebody's meal. Give them a gift. Take care of a need. And when you do, you might start feeling emotions. I want to tell you that you will be surprised at how you begin to feel when you start doing what Jesus did. And you'll be amazed at how many emotions come out when you just follow in the ways of Jesus. And that's what we want to do. Let's continue on in this passage. He says in verse 23, he says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So put off the old self and then be renewed. This, this rejuvenization of your, your mind. He says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we know this. We know that every Christian has an old false self, but Jesus gives us a new true self. A new true self. Now, the new true you really looks just like Jesus. That's the true you. That's the you that God has intended for you to be. And we know that Jesus, he He was emotional. As we said, he was passionate, loving, committed, angry at injustice, compassionate towards the needy, brokenhearted over sin, dissatisfied with the status quo. This is who Jesus was and it's who Jesus is. So as we look at our emotions, we need to know that God created us as emotional beings to be just like Christ and understanding that when Jesus came and he died for our sins, he didn't just die to take away something, to take away our shame, to take away our sins. He actually died to give us life to show us the absolute best way to be alive, and then to take the, the payment and the price that we owed to God and, and pay for that so that we could live in perfect unity with God for all of eternity. So, so here's my, my heart for you, is that first off, you'd acknowledge that, listen, you're an emotional being, and, and that's okay. And, and you'd acknowledge that n- not just you, but God himself is emotional. And so maybe you would start realizing that God created you with these emotions that need to be explored, and you'd start feeling your feelings again. If you're that kind of person here today, I want to challenge you and encourage you this week. Go find ways to, to to bring out emotion and passion in your life in a positive way. Uh, maybe you've you've come from a background that has told you, "Listen, don't feel feelings." They're not facts. Don't, 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 uh, don't deal with these emotions. But I just want to encourage you, we need to be people who, who don't just deny these things or distract ourselves from these emotions, but we actually deal with our feelings. And maybe you're here today and you've been uh, at the mercy of how you feel about life. And honestly, when things go wrong, you just sort of go with how you feel about them. When things go right or, or you have certain desires, you sort of go with what you feel and that's gotten you in a lot of trouble. Maybe this week you would find a way to take your, your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts captive and you would I- inject the truth of scripture, the, the truth of good and wise counsel into your emotional life and you'd start to walk in the ways of Jesus. Listen, church, God has given us emotions and they are good. And and we cannot be spiritually healthy if we're not emotionally healthy. And and our emotional unhealth is a symptom of how spiritually unhealthy we are. And so pay attention to the symptoms this week and take hold of your new life in Christ. So let me just pray for us right now. Jesus, we are so grateful that, God, you have made us not as robots, but as emotional beings that feel. And God, I know that there are probably people in the room here uh, tonight who have been at the mercy of their, their feelings for years and have followed along with, with what feels right. And God, I, I pray that you would show them a new way, the ways of Jesus. That God, G- Jesus was able to feel anger and yet not to sin. He, he was able to feel compassion and act on that compassion. God, I, I want to pray for the person here tonight who's been numb, really has chosen not to feel because of the hard things they've gone through. Uh, has chosen not to feel because of maybe the training they've been given. And yet, God, they know that there's some kind of gap and hole in their life that needs to be filled. And so, God, I pray maybe this week would be a a new start, that you'd show them some ways to begin to feel again. Uh, God, we know that you've called us to more than simply avoiding the wrong things, but to pursuing the right things, and that takes passion. So Father, we just confess that in many ways we have lived as a passionate, a passionless people. We've forgotten what you love. We've not learned to love what you love. So God, I pray you'd place that passion in our hearts and that desire in our hearts and that emotion in our hearts that would cause us to step out in faithfulness towards the things that you have called us to. Father, I pray that people would look in at ACF Church and they would see a much better way to be human. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.